Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from the Winnipeg Free Press. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie show after another prime example of why you should believe in the Winnipeg Jets this season. I know that I don't like getting into the are the Jets elite conversation that much. There's too much. I don't know. It just seems like a, a flimsy debate to me at times. But I mean, beyond the idea of are they elite or are they not, I don't think you can deny what they're doing right now. I guess I would put it like this. If you are the NHL, are you? if you are the rest of this league, if you are you know, the teams around this league who consider themselves contenders, if you are not sitting up and taking stock of what the Winnipeg Jets are doing right now, you are not, you are not doing your job. Back-to-back nights, sorry, not back-to-back nights, but back-to-back games, against back-to-back teams that, you know, a lot of people would consider elite in the league right now. The Winnipeg Jets have not only beat the LA Kings and beat the Colorado Avalanche, they have, in my mind, laid a beatdown on those two teams. And tonight against this Colorado Avalanche team, I know I was talking about this the last game, and I think I'd come away with the idea that I take a look at that team and I think... I've got a lot of confidence if I'm the Winnipeg Jets and I'm heading towards a future that probably sees me needing to get past the Colorado Avalanche in order to win the Central Division in the playoffs. I mean, if I was saying that before, I feel like I'm locked in. I I, I would put it like this. As they are currently constructed, the Colorado Avalanche with, you know, like the depth down their lineup is they need, you know, performances from guys like Ryan Johansson. They need guys like Jonathan Drewen to carry a lot of the mail. I don't think the Colorado Avalanche have the depth to run with a Winnipeg Jets hockey team. I know right now we're sitting there and they're right in the thick of it. You know, I know that there's been conversations on this show in the past about, you know, people lacking faith in the Colorado Avalanche. I don't want to take too much away from that team because clearly they're where they are in the standings because they're finding their way of winning games. But this is two straight games. I take a look at this that I think, you know, uh, granted, Kale McCarr wasn't in this game. An impact player like that changes things. I don't think it changes it that much. The Winnipeg Jets, to me, show that they are a class above the Colorado Avalanche in the games that they've played. Now, however, Colorado is finding a way to win and be in the hunt for first place. They're tied in points with the Winnipeg Jets right now, although the Jets have a game in hand, which means the Jets, of course, are ahead of them uh, right now in first place. Uh, I, I haven't seen what's happening in the Dallas Stars game, so if someone in, in the uh, uh, chat room could let me know what's going on in that game. I don't know what the tie break is either because it looked like it was at the very least heading towards overtime, which means, uh, you know, Dallas is going to get a point, which means it's going to be a three-way tie in the standings. Um, But uh, I just take a look at this, and I think as the Avs are constructed, they are not constructed to be able to handle a team like the Winnipeg Jets in the playoffs. So you walk out of this game, I think you have all the – this is one of those confidence builders if you're the Winnipeg Jets where you're thinking down the road of what – and this is how the NHL works, right? You take a look – down the road and you think what the LA Kings did last year when they went out and got Jonas Corposalo as a goaltender, they went and they make that addition because they're expecting at some point that they're going to run into the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs. And they're thinking that's what we need to put them over the top. Clearly that didn't happen, right? But teams that think they're going to do something in the playoffs 
take a look at how they stack up against specific teams they expect to see in the playoffs. And if I am Kevin Shovel Dayoff and I'm taking a look at where the Colorado Avalanche are, I don't need to make additions come the trade deadline or whenever based on that team. I think that I've got the roster to knock off that roster based on what I've seen here. Again, I'm not saying that we've seen the very best of the Colorado Avalanche, but what I have seen is a team that the style of game they play is very heavily reliant on their top line that the Jets are able to handle not only with their top line, Mark Shifley's line wanted a piece of the McKinnon line tonight. I love that. They wanted a piece of that line. But because the Colorado Avalanche play that line so often and the Jets don't want to follow to balance with running their four lines, they're able to take and put out the third line against them too. So there's nowhere for that line to hide and get easy minutes if they're playing the Winnipeg Jets, which is a problem. And then I go to it again, unless you're getting a lot more scoring from the defense and boy, have the Jets made the Colorado Avalanche's defense look fairly pedestrian in the, in the two games they've played them. But, you know, if McCarr can find his game, if Bowen Byron, Byron can find his game, uh, if Devon Taves can find his game, well, that's a place that they can get offense clearly. But up and down the lineup, a seven-game series, the, the, the depth of the Colorado Avalanche can't handle the Jets in one game. Never mind seven games where depth really starts to show through. So I say it again, Winnipeg Jets in a great spot against that team. And then let's get to it and talk about what is happening with Gabe Velarde and the top line for the Winnipeg Jets. Again, this line fairly newly together has the confidence to be like, go to their coach and be like, give us Nathan McKinnon. We want him. I love the idea that they wanted to go out and show we see one of the best lines in the league. Just look where Nathan McKinnon is points in 14 straight games. Now Miko Rantanen is the kind of guy who's going to get 30 goals a year in a heartbeat. I think he had 55 or something like that last year. Um, and then Val Nachushkin is one of the premier big men in the game. And two Jets lines, you know, went against that line and and did a great job, I thought, of, of saying, you may be great, you may put up all these points, but we think when it comes down to it in a head-to-head battle, we can take this. Uh, Velarde fitting in on that line, what more could you ask for? Six points in his last two games, three goals and three assists over the last couple of games. That line, you count up all the points that Ehlers had, all the points that Mark Shifley had, all the points that Gabe Velarde had, we're talking 17 points in their last two games alone. These guys are just getting started. And I don't know if this is uh, Scott Westman messing with me here, but saying that this is a snake charmer game, not even close. This is the Jets building off of like good defense, pressuring the Colorado Avalanche. And I'll be honest with you, breaking the Colorado Avalanche. Like you think of the turnover that leads to the Alex Iafalo goal, the pressure that they create there. And then Caleb Jones, just throwing the puck right up the gut. Like this is a play that hockey players are taught in peewee hockey. That should be long gone from their repertoire, but the jets force them into that. What does that remind you of? Well, it kind of reminds you of Devon turning over the puck uh, to Axel Janssen Fialbi, who throws it to Adam Lowry and he puts it in the back of the net with seconds remaining in the first game that these teams played. Colorado has not been able to handle the pressure that the Winnipeg Jets have applied. And I'll go beyond that. I'll go to the idea that um, 
I think the Jets broke the Colorado Avalanche in this game. And the example for me is Nino Niederreiter's line out there. And so here's another one. We're talking about the McKinnon line being out at that time. I was talking about, you know, Mark Scheifele's line shutting that line down, Adam Lowry's line shutting that down. But it's Nemestikov and Niederreiter who find themselves out on the ice when that line's out there. And they go back check, steal the puck, turn it up ice. And so there's a moment I see right there where the Jets have a three on two. Uh, what they need, Colorado, is one of those players to turn up ice and to get on their horse and track them down to, to, to make it a, an equivalent three-on-three situation. And I think why that stands out to me so much is if it's the Winnipeg Jets, you know that that player, if he doesn't get back, he's going to be throwing everything he has into it to get back into that play. And that Colorado Avalanche line looked disinterested in trying to even up that odd man rush. And sure enough, the Jets capitalized on it. Nemesikov across to Nino Niederreiter for like a, 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 a great one-timer that ends up in the back of the net. I believe that's the 5-2 goal in the game at that point. I say it like this. The Jets forced Colorado out of their structure at the point that that top line, that is, like, make no mistake about it, one of the best lines in, in the NHL, they took them out of their structure. They had them making hope play after hope play after hope play. The Jets, who we keep saying their superpowers, they do not abandon their structure. And now it's 19 games in a row that they've allowed three goals or less as proof about what we're talking about here. The Jets forced the Colorado Avalanche into abandoning their structure time and time again in this game, did it to one of the top lines in the, in the league where they had them abandoning their structure time and time again. And to be honest with you, at times had the Colorado Avalanche looking disinterested in participating with this game, definitely unwilling to match the effort that we saw from the Winnipeg Jets from their top line right down to their bottom line. This was a masterclass, and in my mind, the kind of game that puts the Winnipeg Jets in the back of the heads of the Colorado Avalanche. I think they'll be thinking about this team a lot going forward during the season and thinking, geez, that's a team that we probably have to get by in the playoffs if we think we're going anywhere. This is a victory. This is a moral victory. This is just a plain old victory on the ice. And in my mind, this is a vict a mental victory because I think that the Winnipeg Jets are squarely in the heads of the Colorado Avalanche going forward for the rest of this season. That's my take on it. Time to bring in the man with the best music in the business to get his take on the whole thing. Here comes Kenny. Kenny, we saw a lot from the Jets earlier tonight. What I'm seeing right now is Vittorio Man finally back in his suits. It looks like it looks like this is Kenny in his natural environment because uh, you look like a million bucks. We all know why. Uh, I think I'm looking pretty damn 
dapper myself. Yeah, you should keep right, that, get that suit out, little, though. You got your uh, overcoat on. The, well, it's cold in here, Ken. I'm down <laughs> in the Zamboni. There's ice on your feet. It's uh, it's cold, and Rennie's gotcha, a little... Gotcha, gotcha. Rennie can be dainty at times. Uh, you don't but, say. Hey, listen, dainty or not, I look like a man's man when I go down to uh, Vittorio Rossi, where they, uh, they do it upright. So you want to look... Uh, you can be dainty. You can be rugged. One way or another, you're going to look like a million bucks if you head on down to Vittorio Rossi. Walk in and loudly proclaim Kenny and Rennie sent you and ask for Frankie and the boys. They'll take care of you, do you upright. Uh, that's what I'm seeing from you right now, Ken. I want to know what you saw from the Winnipeg Jets earlier tonight. Yes, uh, good to be with you, obviously. Uh, heard the broadcast went well, so good job on that front. Uh, good crew in town for the game and fun vibe in the building. Uh it's interesting. It was a little bit quieter first period with a, a kind of lower event hockey game, other than you know the Jets being a little bit opportunistic with you know six shots apiece. But uh, Jets really kind of imposed their will on this game, Sean. And yeah, I mean I'm not going to go as far as you do. I mean when a team like the Avalanche has been to the top of the mountain, I think there's a there's a high level of respect for the Jets. I, I don't think they're to the point where they would be, you know, striking fear in their opponent. Yes, of course, Colorado knows they're going to need to play better if they want to win a seven-game series, but uh, I'm not certain that the that the Jets with wins in uh, December are getting into the heads of a team that uh, knows what it's like to get 16 victories. No doubt. I, I just I would like to say this before the game. We didn't. We weren't able to get this story into the game. But talking uh, with Jared yep. Bednar before the game, he referred to the Jets coming into this game. He referred to the Jets as a measuring stick team. So sure. you know, I was talking about it earlier on. Like, are the Jets a leader? Are they not a lead? I kind of. It, it's not really something I want to kind of dive into because like teams that aren't a lead at this time can jump up and win in the playoffs, right? Like, so no one was talking about the St. Louis Blues being a lead at this time time of year the time that they won that but they're well, they in no, last place that's why ex- exactly but no one uh can take away from the idea that the jets are catching the eyes of teams around the league jared bedner to your point knows what it takes to win 16 games so he knows good hockey teams when he sees them and trying to figure out a way to get a, get through them when you are the colorado avalanche and you come into this game in first place and you talk about the guys across the ice as this is a measuring stick game i need my guys to go in and walk out of it and be like guys see this is how you measure up that says something. And so for me, if this was a measure, let's put the shoe on the other foot. If this was a measuring stick game for the Winnipeg Jets and they were on the other side of that outcome, what would be we be saying about the Jets? We'd be saying, hey, the Jets walked into this measuring stick game and they didn't measure up. I have no, I don't have a problem with suggesting out there right now that the, the Colorado Avalanche take a look at the Winnipeg Jets right now and say, as it stands right now, maybe as we're constructed, we don't measure up to that team yeah and and that's okay I'm fine with you saying that I'm just saying that I I currently I think that the avalanche have earned the benefit of the doubt and that you know something that happens in December would have very little bearing on what will happen in April I do think that if the Jets play this way and mop the avalanche in that game in April and they're about to play in the series now I'm totally going to go with you on that one so and again like I said I'm not it's not a bad take. It just I'm not I'm not there yet uh, in yeah. terms of of where they are, and also especially because Makar wasn't in the lineup today. Yeah. Now that's not to say that he will be, but uh, and again I'm not discounting the win. This is one of the you know again we're, we just finished talking about the the game over the Kings being one of the Jets' best wins of the year. Yes. I mean if the Jets don't give up that goal to Jack Johnson, I, I think we're having the same conversation. 
Yeah. They put up six against the Avalanche, empty netter, sure, but if they only had given up the one goal, and I love it. I mean, the camera work on the Sportsnet crew is exceptional, Sean. You saw it. If it didn't matter, look at Rick Bonus. The game was well in hand. He It looked like they had just given up the game-winning goal in Game 7 when Johnson scored the goal with the look of anguish on uh, on Rick Bonus's face. So the Jets still are able to play another defensively sound game. Connor Hellbuck's solid. Uh, but didn't need to be spectacular in the game again. Uh, they completely blanketed the Nathan McKinnon line, Sean. Yes, oh. McKinnon uh, extends the point streak to 14, but whether it was Mark Shifley's line or Adam Lowry's, Nathan McKinnon was the second-best line on the ice tonight uh, in, in his matchup, So, and that's something that you don't see uh, all that often uh, against anybody. But uh, you know, I, I think that the Jets were definitely up for this game. Uh, it's one of those things where, for me, in the you know in the first third of the year, a team can come in and and have your number. But I mean, the fact that Jared Bednar, Sean, you were there with me, he said this morning, it mattered to the Avalanche because he said they beat us and we'd like to repay the favor. Yeah. And when you say you'd like to return the favor and you get smoked six to two, that I know I know that's probably why you're saying that's a game that could linger with them for a while. Um, just to, again, we're going to focus on the Jets. But Sean, I mean, you were working the room like I was like three or four different players talked about inconsistency. And to myself, I'm like, well, how can these guys be inconsistent? They're on top of the division. But tonight we saw some of that inconsistency in the Avalanche's play right now. And, and they're just not a place where they're they're at their peak. So I think it'll be interesting. I mean, it, it's a big win for the Jets. But, Sean, I think the thing that really stood out to me, like in a lot of times this would be a massive statement game for the Jets but they acted like this was what was supposed to happen. Yes. And I don't mean like there was an unnecessary swagger or overconfidence to them, but they had this game circled and they wanted to show the Avalanche that that game 10 days ago wasn't a fluke. And then they went out and, and you know put their foot on the gas and kind of left them in the dust, uh, quite frankly. So, uh, you know, I, I'm very impressed by this game. And like I said, I, I think, it, you know, in its own way, this was equally impressive to the Kings game and in some ways more impressive uh, I, yeah. because of their, I mean, the Kings right now are playing better than the Avalanche, I guess, to a degree. But based on the firepower and what we've seen from Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen over the years, I'd put this, I would put this game in a very similar category. I don't know if you agree and or disagree, but I think this was another complete game. Like, they kind of took the avalanche out of it by having an you know a low event first, but walking into the room with a two nothing lead. Um, okay, I actually put the Kings game ahead of this game okay. like, for their best game of the year. I think the reason why for me is you know I had a conversation with Rick Bonus afterwards, um, and one of the interesting things about that is, is is like how did the Jets get back into that Kings game against a team that does not give up leads like they do and and do it without falling out of their structure. Right. And Rick Bonus's response to that was, was he actually didn't think that the King, he said, we, we aren't able to do that if the Kings aren't playing a certain way. And I think his take on that was, we didn't see the best of the Kings. Um, I th- but 
I'll say this about the Kings. I, I, I didn't think the Kings entirely fell out of their structure. I just thought that they looked like they were a step behind the Winnipeg Jets, which again, I don't excuse the Kings for because the Jets were the team that was playing back to back. But what I saw here tonight from, from the Colorado Avalanche was basically three lines of that team that didn't have much of an effect on the game at all. Uh, 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 and Kale McCarr not being there is going to be a big part of this, but a defensive unit that is supposed to be one of the best in the league at producing points from the back end that really didn't like the look like they were getting it there. And a top line, I thought that just looked too frustrated, too early, made tons of hope plays throughout that game. So I guess the reason why I would put that game against the LA Kings ahead of this game here tonight is again, and I, I say it, I, I think as they're currently constructed, I don't think the Colorado Avalanche, you know, Ken, you were talking about them playing inconsistent. I think what we're seeing right now is a team that is used to being consistent over a number of years, but a team now that for the first time, probably since around 2016, 17, around that era there, doesn't have the roster or the lineup to play the kind of way they want to play consistently. Like here, you talk about the Jets and the idea that each of the four lines are supposed to look like each other. Yeah. I don't know that Jared Bednar has the horses in his stable to be a very consistent team that one line looks like the other. I, you know, you've got Ryan Johansson, who's not the the youngest of players. You've got Jonathan Drewen, who's a different kind of sort for a long time. They, they, they don't have the ability to look consistent, which is why, again, I'm saying it, and, and you're right to say it, Ken. Uh, but I think, like, I think I'm I, I, I'm not trying to be first or trying to be early on this, kind of announcing that the Colorado Avalanche I don't think are a danger to the Winnipeg Jets. I guess I'm just calling it because this is what I see right now. I don't see how that lineup as it's constructed is able to hang with the Winnipeg Jets, which is why I'm saying that. But to go back to the overall thing, the Kings I don't think had their best game, but they at least stayed in their structure, and the Jets were able to fight through that structure and win that game. This to me, it was a team that entirely ran into a really good Jets team, did not handle it well, and kind of fell apart on the night, which I think I'm going to go to it here. This is maybe I'm going to have a little bit of fun with this, but I'm busting out the pristine roofing wake up call early, and I'm going to throw it on Miko Rantanen, which we know is dangerous because Ismo Lekkonen, a guy that we are both really good friends with, Arturi Lekkonen's dad, who works in the Finnish media, but he's also the guy that gets the Finnish players, he's the coach that gets the Finnish players ready for training camp around August. They all come from all over Finland. They meet up and Ismo Lekkonen takes them through their paces. Ismo Lekkonen called out Miko Rantanen for not working out enough in the summertime. And Miko Rantanen went at him in the press, which I thought was such an interesting situation because Arturi Lekkonen, Ismo's son, is a teammate of his, although he's out and injured now. I guess I say this because, listen, Miko Rantanen, not afraid to go after the media when they say this, but I brought up that play, Ken, to me tonight where it looked to me like the Winnipeg Jets broke the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I believe it's Miko Rantanen who has the puck stripped from him by on the Nemesnikov and uh, Nino Niederreiter goal, right? Nemesnikov over to Nino Niederreiter. And when he turns over the puck, the Jets have an odd man rush three on two. And I was saying it to the audience before you got here. If that's the Jets, someone, if not two, if not three guys on the Jets are busting their butts to get back and make that even out the numbers on that player, at least provide some back pressure. 
And that top line looked disinterested in getting back and defending in that game. So I, I guess I'll say it like this. If there's anyone on that team that should know better, it's the top line. And if Miko Rantanen isn't willing to compete his way back down the ice to try and nullify that play, if he's saying, ah, it's already 4-2, it's not worth it. Well, that's not the kind of attitude that I ever saw from the Colorado Avalanche in that Stanley Cup winning season that they had. So for me... I give out the pristine roofing wake-up call to Miko Rantanen. Pretty sure he was the guy I saw not back-checking in that play. So you know what uh, time it is. Time to get a hold of the North End, Rick, and give him the pristine roofing wake-up call at one 9816289 Why? Well, North End, Rick's the guy who, if you've got any roofing or siding needs, issues during the wintertime, he's the guy who will come out and tell you exactly what you need as a representative of pristine roofing and siding. Uh, you don't want to get a hold of North End, Rick? You know what to do. Call pristine roofing at one 237 Okay, we can't wait wait any longer Ken I'm going to tell a quick story before you launch into this um Gabe Velarde it's his first ever <laughs> post game interview on hockey night in Canada he walks okay. out gets the towel and he turns to me beaming and says do I get to keep this and I was like yeah I, I kind of think you earned it Gabe right but then after he was walking away he said something about it. he's like I can't believe I get get to keep this and I'd said to him listen it, it seems like this is going to be one of many that you earn here in Winnipeg. And he turned, he said, I've been watching hockey night in Canada since I was a young guy. Big moment for him, right? We did this yeah. earlier in the year. Caden Gooley earned his first ever in that Jets. Uh, it was a hockey night in Canada game between the Jets and Montreal Canadiens. One of my favorite parts of this job, Ken, representing an institution, a yeah. hollowed institution like the uh, like hockey night in Canada, is when you see those players who are studs, turn to you who is i said it earlier i'm just a dainty guy looking great in a vittorio rossi suit and they turn to you with this kind of like reverence not reverence for me but for the moment that they're yeah. in to like sit in on those it is one of the coolest moments of being part of hockey night in canada that was so neat but like i'd said gabriel velarde no doubt earned that here tonight he earned it last game three goals and three assists in his last two games what is up ken with gabe velarde yeah, it's just an impressive section, and hey, I, I know how the guy feels. I mean, had you know, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the hit from Pittsburgh at the game that you were at with Elliot and Ron, and uh, yeah, it, it's emotional for everyone, and especially for a guy like Velarde who's gone through a lot, not only in his career, uh, but in this season, all over the season. I mean, it's been absolutely ridiculous to see what he's been going through, uh, and he's just in a situation where. He's starting to kind of, I wrote it in my column here, he's making up for lost time, and it's absolutely ridiculous what he's been able to do uh, in this stretch. And, you know, I, honestly, the scary part, I think, for opponents, he's just starting to scratch the surface. Totally. And totally. what he does, I mean, I, we were talking about this when he came into the lineup. It was only a matter of time before he was going to be back on that line with Mark Shifley. And yes, the configuration has changed to Nikolai Ehlers from Kyle Connor, but this is a guy who his skill set is absolutely tailor made to play with Mark Shifley. Um, just what he does in terms of his big body willingness to be patient with the puck on his stick. Uh oh, 
and just his ability to to make smart plays, uh, whether that's for himself or for others. And it's just really impressive. And uh, I really think that he's going to, you know, I said this going into the year, I thought that, that Gabriel Velarde could easily be a 30-goal guy. And even though he's missed almost a quarter of a season, I would, you know, we'll get to it a little bit later, but, but like I'm buying Gabriel Velarde being north of 20 goals this year, and even though he missed a quarter of the year, and that's because not, and again, he's not only a one-way player. This guy's playing great defensively, does a lot of good things, and Sean, we also saw we saw the feisty side of Gabriel Velarde in a couple of interviews this year. Yeah. First talking about Blake Lazat, and then afterward, basically telling the LA Kings it's going to be a revenge tour, basically for the next decade. And today he got into it off a face-off with Josh Manson, pretty much right in front of you in the corner of the Zamboni door. And guess what? Josh Manson's the guy he beat to the Nikolai Ehlers rebound and stuffed it home. And then he didn't go back in his face, but you knew that Josh Manson knew who got the goal as well on yes. that play. So yeah. uh, I love that fire that we're seeing from Gabriel Velarde because I was not aware of this side of him. And I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a side of a player that is only going to, you know, you know, enamor him to the fan base, but also to his teammates, uh, because it's just another welcome sign for a team that has lofty goals. Uh, I, I love the way Gabriel Velarde is playing, and again, I, I think he can be a dominant force. This was an unbelievable job of scouting by the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you know, went back to the amateur days, but on the pro side, when they were looking for people they wanted to get back in that trade, Velarde is the centerpiece of the deal. And, you know, I don't care about the numbers right now because those numbers are only going to grow in time here uh, because this guy's the total package. I mean, uh, I'm impressed by a lot of what he does, and, and I think he's only going to get better here, Sean. Tonight, uh, Velarde, uh, two goals, 16.47 of ice time, 19 shifts, four shots on goal, seven shot attempts. I mean, this is a guy who's who's impressive. Um, hey, we should jump into this because uh, Schickster uh, knows the drill here. He says, I'm buying 55, 27, and 13. Probably where we should go, but why don't you give a shout-out to uh, Sweet Lou uh, while we're at it here? Sure. While we're getting into the early buy and sell, uh, yes. you, know, you can contact our main man, Lou Ferlin of Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. If you have realty needs you'd like to have met, and much like we say about Vittorio Rossi, tell Sweet Lou that Kenny and Rennie sent you. Uh, when you call him at 204-791-9971 or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N dot C-A. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including the podcast community and our show right here. Main man, sweet Lou. Um, okay, let's do the buy and sell. I'm going to jump in and go first, and because I have no, I've already gone first. Yeah, well, I don't you have clean any up. creative creative bones in my body, so I'm just <laughs> going to follow along and say I'm buying that line. I'm buying that line entirely to the point, Ken, that I think the Jets need to think about where they take and put Kyle Connor when he comes back, and what kind of second line, if you want to call it that, they create 
with him now if if it's interesting. Quick uh, conversation with Jamal Mayers, who we know Ken has come in here in years past and thought to himself like the effort level that we've seen. We won't name the players specifically, but the effort level that he was seeing from some of the players with the Winnipeg Jets. Jamal Mayers, who was like a heart guy while he played, had a problem with that kind of stuff. He walked in and I said to him after two periods, how different is this team? And he's like, oh my God, like it's, it's, it's night and day. And he'd said, you know, if this team's going like this, Shovel Day Off has to go do something significant at the trade deadline because you your players deserve to be rewarded for playing like this and this style of game. So I think you get into the idea of what can they go out to build something. But I'm buying the idea of finding a different place to go for Kyle Connor. Why? Because I'm not saying Gabe Velarde isn't a guy who could do it in different spots. And I'm not saying Nick Ehlers is a guy who couldn't do that either. But what we are seeing here is Gabe Velarde kind of transforming into what the best version of what scouts thought he could be when he was drafted and when he was younger and played for the world juniors and team Canada and all of these kind of things. Mark Shifley, who I've been on the record as saying is this team's MVP I've said this in the past. It was one of the arguments that I made about, uh, you know, leaving Ayafalo on that line. Mark Shifley, in my mind, is good enough that he should be able to take. He doesn't need a sidekick on that line or, or an equal player like Kyle Connor in order to drive people. He's good enough to take Gabe Velarde, who is experiencing the best version of himself at the NHL level. And I would argue because he's alongside Mark Shifley. Uh, Nick Ehlers is another one. We all know Nick Ehlers is a player who's capable of doing a lot. However, Nick Ehlers is a guy who probably has left a lot on the table based on what people thought that he should be. Right now, this line went and took on, as I said earlier, Nathan McKinnon's line and looked dominant in doing it. So to me, the the one reason I think that stands out above most is everywhere Kyle Connor has gone and everyone he's played with, he's succeeded with. So I look at him the same way as I look at Mark Shifley. Kyle Connor is going to succeed wherever you put him and probably take a guy like Cole Perfetti and elevate his game even further. Now, if you leave Nemesnikov there, I still think it could probably work. But if the Jets go out and what I'm starting to think more and more that they would do is try and find a second line center and that becomes your second line, the third line being what it is, unless Kenny somehow sneaks his way into the dressing room and convinces the coaches to break up that third line. But if you're going into the playoffs with this line as the first line, the second line is Kyle Connor Perfetti and, you know, someone else that you go get. And your third line is this Adam Lowry line. That is the kind of depth that I'm starting to look around the league, Ken, and think, I don't know that there's other teams that can match it. So I'm buying what I'm seeing from this top line, not just saying, oh, it's pretty good. I want to see where it goes. I'm buying that this line has the makeup that can make it the kind of line that most other teams in the league cannot handle. Most other top lines cannot handle. I think that's saying a lot. Yeah, just a quick one. Uh, who set up the Nino goal tonight, Sean? And what line, does he, and what line does he play on? No, I knew you were going to go there. I, 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 listen, I don't need to embarrass Ken on this podcast. He'll do it himself all night long if he needs to. Uh, just, you know, who set up the last two Nino goals? Well, Nemesnikov was in on both of them. Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, Kyle Connor has played a bit with Cole Perfetti with Pierre-Luc Dubois in the middle. That line had its various levels of success uh, before Perfetti was injured. Uh, you know, Konechny's not traditionally a center. He's played more wing uh, at this level, but he's certainly someone of interest. We know this. We know the Jets would have drafted him 
if he wasn't selected one player before Jack Rozovic in right. 2015. So uh, he would be someone they're looking, but then it would be Perfetti. They'd be banking on either Nemestikov or Perfetti uh, on that line. So I think it'll be interesting. I mean, um, I'm not willing to go quite as far as you, but I, I do think, I mean, hey, we've been talking about Nikolai Ehlers and his ability to get himself, and we're talking about Velarde getting up to speed. Well, hey, a lot of people were wondering, hey, where's Nikolai Ehlers at in the first 10 or 12 games? Well, Nikolai Ehlers is now at 10 goals and and rising. I mean, I've said this before. I, I think Nikolai has the capability of being a 40-goal guy if he's healthy. Now, this year, if it's even if he hits 30 for the first time, it's a great year. But this is a guy who can score 30 to 40. Uh, yeah, you know, Brady. I mean, I mentioned Pavel Bishnevich in my dump and chase column with my colleague Mike McIntyre in the in the free press today. Now, again, he's a guy who's played all three forward positions. Is he perfect as a center? Not necessarily. Maybe more comfortable on the wing, but he can definitely play that position. And I would be interested in seeing uh, that that dynamic also. But Sean, we've talked about this too a little bit with Sammy the scarf. I mean, I'd be a little bit more bullish on. Elias Lindholm if he was playing with Kyle Connor because you right. get the two-way play here you I mean not that he wouldn't work with Nikolai Ehlers but if the second line has Elias Lindholm on it you already have that incredible defensive effort and acumen when you're playing with Kyle Connor which I, we know pure goal scoring is the name of his game but to have some insulation with an Elias Lindholm with Connor would be important for a team that has visions of going three, four rounds and trying to get to the top of the mountain. So now what's the cost of that and what are you willing to pay? I mean, these are all things that, that we'll be getting into as we get closer to March. Uh, and just to, before I go wild here, uh, we talked about this with Jason Bukla, who correctly predicted Rutger McGroarty would be healthy enough to be at the World Junior. And this week we have read on the Twitter machine that Rutger McGordy is on the plane to Sweden and will be on Team USA. So that's a big, big news for the Winnipeg Jets and their prospect pool. But yeah, back to buy and sell. I mean, I'm buying Gabriel Velarde north of 20 goals and yeah. you know maybe comfortably at 25. But again, he's got to stay healthy and he's got to continue this pace. But uh, it's an impressive pace that he's on right now. Um, I, I think I want to have this conversation sure. here about about the approach that the Jets should take. But a couple of things that I want to take care of before we do that. It's been asked for, uh, Maurice did early in the show, uh, benchmark game calls for a headband. Well, you know what time it is, ladies and gentlemen. Time to make this a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show. Let's get at it. And Ken, before we go too far, uh, we should touch up and close the conversation about that top line because they've been phenomenal. What a move it has been to to move Gabriel Velarde onto that line. It has really paid off. And hey, if you're looking to pay off high interest credit cards or debt, we suggest you go talk to our friends at Cambridge Credit Union about their payoff loan. They can show you how taking out a loan to pay off your debt actually gets you debt-free faster and you can save thousands of dollars. Go to cambrian.mb.ca to book an appointment online. Okay, let's get 
get into this, I I contend, as I was saying here, now we take a look at what Kevin Shovel Dayoff has done at trade deadlines of the past. And last year I had suggested like that team, the way they had played, just like Jamal Mayers was saying today, this team he thinks is earning the right for the, to, to be rewarded by their, their GM. I didn't think that the Jets, the way that they were playing and falling apart at the end of the season, were earning the right for the, Kevin Shevel to have to go all in. He doesn't. What he goes out and he turns it into like, let's actually try and lock stuff going down in the future. We know he can play that game. And so I think a lot of times people say, well, that's his M.O. Kevin Sheveldayoff's M.O. is going out and getting subtle guys that, you know, they can add to, to the future and all those kind of things. But different trade deadlines call for different things. And I'm go- going on the record now and saying the way that the Jets are going in this direction Um because of how things have gone in the past, because of the window that the Jets had, because of certain, you know, trade deadlines where they didn't approach it like that. I don't think, you know, especially if the Jets keep playing like this, but I think knowing what the capability is in this dressing room and where Rick Bonus has this team, I don't think you can take a year like this is shaping up where the Jets are stacking up against the best teams in the league the way that they are. I don't think you can take a year like this and let it go by. The Jets have gone and done a good job of being a player playoff team for a long time but we know that you know three playoff series wins over the stretch from 2018 and 19 you're starting to kind of look a little bit like the Minnesota Wild in that they get to the playoffs but what do they do when they're in the playoffs I don't think you can waste a window like this from what we're seeing with the Winnipeg Jets and how things are like this I think you have to approach this trade deadline coming up as a we have to start treating these things like they are a chance and you only get so many. This is a chance for the Jets to go out and try to be a cup contender this season. You have to approach it like that, and you have to conduct yourself accordingly at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, totally fair. I mean, I, I would counter by saying, like, these are the, this conversation we were kind of having at this time last year also, but it doesn't feel like last year no. uh, to you or I. So, you know, I, I would I would definitely advocate for what you're saying. Now, what level of player are you going to get? What are the price tags? You know, in the seasons like this, where it, I, I totally agree that they need to augment. But again, I would be looking for the Ivan Barbashev type of player, not the Patrick Kane type of player. Right, Sean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I just think it'll be super interesting. That's why Bushnevich is super interesting because he has a second year left on the deal. And if you're talking about windows and trying to put up banners, a guy with some term would make some sense. Not a crazy amount of term. Um, but enough that you would be paying close attention. So uh, that's something where I think it'll be interesting for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to start putting lists together and, and things like that. We've been starting to talk about players, but the lists are going to come together. Now, you know, is it a second line center? Is it a, you know, top four defenseman, uh, right shot defenseman? I'm not sure. You know, another good game for Nate Schmidt. Uh, again, all these situations, you're always trying to, you know, manage the, you know, are you getting the right type of player and the right type of person who fits in, right? I mean, that's that's another thing where when you have a team playing the way the Jets are, you don't want to rock the boat either, but you also know that you're trying to improve and take a big swing, right? I mean, there, it's a super interesting, you know, what are some of the elements you don't have or could, could use a little bit more of uh, to me? And, you know, Phil Kessel's a guy who's been a winner, Sean, but I don't know that Phil Kessel fits what the Jets are oh, doing. No. God, that to no. me he is could, not a fit. He couldn't. He couldn't keep up. Uh, like, uh, sorry, I don't mean to like 
you know, toss it out in hand. But I mean, this is a player who got taken out of the Vegas Golden Knights roster and became a black ace in the playoffs last year. Right. And, and, I think what we're seeing from the Jets is an ability to have the depth and play a grind style, fast pressure game, the likes of what we are seeing from what we saw last year in the playoffs from the Vegas Golden Knights and what we're essentially seeing from them again this year. I mean, who would you be at this stage? Who would you be taking out of the lineup to put Phil Kessel in? Like the Jets don't need more goals. They need guys who can back check and for like the, the Jets want to create offense by, by back pressure and playing great defense and turning the puck up and catching teams in transition. That's how they want to do it. I don't know that, that, that was ever really a game that Phil Kessel played, but it's definitely not a game. I think he can play right now. Ken. You're, you're muted. Sorry, buddy. We got the classic uh, Zamboni man flying around yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, so we're trying to keep that as, as, as best we can here. Uh, apologies. Yeah, I mean, Kessel, you know, you listen to people who are around Vegas. They, they loved him as a teammate and everything else. But, I mean, the facts are he didn't play after the Jets series. So, I mean, if for a team trying to get over the top, he'd be a nice insurance policy. But Phil Kessel's not... Coming to Winnipeg is an insurance policy, and the Jets have to be, quite frankly, aiming higher. I think that's what we both agree on. You know, it's funny you say aim higher. Just got a tweet uh, showing our show. Uh, Mike Russo, uh, extremely respected hockey writer out of Minnesota, used to cover the Panthers way back in the day, has joined the room in the chat here. And he says, I feel like Weeb's world needs to try harder. Uh, and I think what he means is, you know, I'm out here. I'm rocking the headband. Uh, you need more. <laughs> you need more. So uh, along with the theme of what you just said, Mike Russo says, I feel like Weeb's good to world see our main man, harder. Mike, in there. Wait, Love to see. Wait till Mike hears your take about breaking up the third line, and then he'll really. Well, hey, he's also quite familiar with Nino Niederreiter, so uh, you know. No doubt. uh, We should send Mike a link. We should send Mike a link and see what he thinks about the Jets. We know he's been watching Uh, them a little bit. Another time, we'll get him on. Interesting, no doubt. Well, hey, uh, God, I'd love to have him on the show. He's actually someone we should have dug in for an hour show on the Kenny and Rennie long form. But uh, okay, I'm going to go in this direction before we start getting into the fun of the Johnson group. Got you covered. Play of the game, the TCB lamplighter, and the keg save of the game. Uh, we got to talk about Nemestikov. Now, we have to talk about him. I didn't want to bring him up because I knew what you were going to do. You were going to turn it into, oh, he did his thing and he got his assist with Nino Niederreiter. And you were going to turn it into another unwarranted break up the third line rap. But since you've already done that, we can feel free and go there. Uh, talking with Rick Bonus uh, yesterday, a little bit about the broadcast. And he had said something I'd said on this show. He's like, you want to see that second line start having troubles? It's when Nemesnikov went out with an injury and now you see him come back and what's happening with Nemesnikov uh, just a word Ken on what Vladdy Nemesnikov has meant to this team it's funny because we're sitting here in bald face talking about the need to replace him at second line center but this guy has not failed the Winnipeg Jets in any way shape or form this year in fact he's earned probably well definitely above his pay grade but like when are we going to start talking about Vladdy Nemesnikov and suggesting maybe no one should be taking him or supplanting him off the second line because has there been a more consistent performer on the second line this year for the Jets than Vladdy Nemesnikov? Yeah, Vladdy's been in, uh, fantastic. I mean, I should just uh, I should just say this though. Vlad Nemesnikov uh, centers the third line, I think, like based on ice time and whatever else. So 
Fair enough. I mean, we Fair could enough. go with that second over the boards, second in terms of ice time, whatever else. But no, in I the mean, traditional sense of your third line being your grinding shot. No, of course, I know what you're saying. I'm, I'm, say it, but you're you are entirely right. Based on who's hopping over the boards, no doubt the importance of the Lowry line would suggest they're a second line. And again, the, which the is amount they score does not agreed, and it, which is why I'm saying that you know nece- the Jets are, don't necessarily need quote-unquote, a second-line guy. Maybe they, they just need another Vladislav Nemestikov, right? I mean, that would be the other part of it. But, um, you know, the other thing about that is that, you know, the fourth line, you know, they're they're generating. They're, you know, they're not scoring as much as maybe uh, a Vegas's fourth line scored at a rate last year. So, you know, but that they're still playing well. And Alex Iafalo today, Sean, I mean, we've been talking about him for weeks, uh, that he's kind of gone a little bit sleepy on the production side. I mean, 13 games without a point and 18 without a goal. I mean, his last goal was on November 2nd, but his play never really deteriorated. I mean, he wasn't generating quite as much, but he was still playing the game the right way. And when a guy like that gets a reward, you know, he can go on hot streaks as well. And uh, Nemestikov is just, I mean, he's just been so good in so many areas. You can play him at any position. You can play him on any line. He will provide a spark, and he will give you a consistent effort each and every night. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're talking about it in the wrong fashion. I know you. I just think they need to get more guys like Nemesnikov, which, you know, Niederreiter and Nemesnikov are guys who have really helped change the construction and complexion of the forward group. Same with Ayafalo. Same with Velarde. And when Kapari is rolling, he can be a guy on the fourth line that can give them a bump also uh kind of playoff type of performers they have experience uh when the chips are down uh you know they have familiarity with guys they've played with and yeah i mean those are the kind of guys the jets will be looking to add like high character guys with some skill and some talent and that just sort of stretch out the depth even further because it's already an impressive amount of depth that they have as rick bonus already touched on again here tonight I mean, the one thing about any kind of, uh, like, what, what Vladdy fits in with, he's all-out effort, right? And that works in the system. I've gone on the record time and time again and said, like, the true MVP of this team is Rick Bonus and the system that he's laid down for these players. So it's interesting because a guy like Nemesnikov, who is like, you know, had trouble sticking with teams for a while. I never really understood it before, but I had trouble understanding it because the type of game he played really worked with a team like the 2015 Tampa Bay Lightning, which I covered him in the Stanley Cup final doing but I this is the thing you know when I go back to the suggestion of adding Phil Kessel and some people are throw, throwing some other people out there like a guy like um uh like Patrick Kane I I know he was never coming here but if the suggestion was to bring a guy in like that I don't think the Jets what they need is just like a pure kind of scorer they need someone who can play the system so I think if you're thinking about additions for this team what you have to think is guys who are capable of getting in the track meet that this Winnipeg Jets team um, joins in every single night in the effort and the way that they run up and down the ice to make sure that they're playing it well. That's what you've got to look at. I know this is an interesting one here. Someone brought up Rasmus Ristolainen uh, and saying him coming in half-retained would be an interesting add. It's an interesting add, I think, for a number of reasons. Now, I know the analytics community has not liked Rasmus Ristolainen for the majority of his career. Saw a really interesting quote from him in the season that he's having, and he's part of what we're seeing in Philadelphia right now is a team that is surprising a lot of people 
He said in the media he wishes that he would have had John Tortorella at his as his coach since the time that he's 18. It feels like Rasmus Ristolainen has like found himself truly in his capability and what he could possibly be for the first time under um under that head coach i wonder if he'd be willing to leave at this stage because like if you're a guy who finally feel feels like i finally feel like i've got it and i've got it because of this guy i don't know that he wants to leave that guy although if he took that and could see similarities in rick bonus and come and try and play that system he's a guy that i do think could actually help for the winnipeg jets anyways we got to get off the trade talk or the, and super uh, well, interesting I mean, before we yeah. Because the Jets have had interest in him before when he was in Buffalo. He was a guy that they had scouted quite heavily. You know, he was involved, but I mean, ridiculous asking prices back then, like Ehlers or Line. I mean, that was never going to happen. But I mean, he's a guy that, you know, fits a lot of the things that they are looking for in terms of adding on the back end. And, you know, he doesn't have as much term. You know, you and I have talked about Colton Pareko for the last couple of years here. Colton Pareko's also had a really good back. Uh, you know, rebound type of year. Um, so again, but the issue with Pareko has always been that he's under contract through 2029, 2030 right. uh, at 6.5. So Rista not as much term on his deal. Uh, it'd be interesting. I mean, McDonough, I, I think would be absolutely tremendous, but huge. Um, you know, all huge. the winning, I mean, I covered him back to the early 2000s with, or 2010s with yeah. those Rangers teams. I know you were around him a lot of those and, runs too, Sean. And he can play, he can play this system like that. And he I can play that- the right side too, if you need him to. Yeah, and I th- I think this is what like if you're if you're a Jets fan and you're joining in in this conversation, I think that's the thing that you have to ask yourself every time you suggest someone. You have to think, okay, but does he fit into this system? Because the success of this Jets team is its system, so you need to be able to fit into that. If you're not fitting into that, I don't think you help this team. And you could be a phenomenal player, a- an extreme talent. Someone used Kevin Hayes earlier on. Kevin Hayes, I feel like never quite fit with the Jets. A player like Kevin Hayes would not work in this system. I don't believe one bit. So I think every time you suggest something, you got to think, okay, is that the kind of player that would buy into running up and down the ice to be like jump into the play if there's an offensive chance, but then turn around and jump back into the play to try and put on back pressure. I mean, it's what's made, it's what made people think that Mark Shifley should be a player that's traded because they didn't see him doing that. But now that he's doing it, look at the player that it's made him. Anyone you suggest, you have to be able to envision them being able to like race up and down the ice all game because that's what this system requires. And that's why this system works. Okay. Johnston Group got you covered. Play of the game. Ken, what do you got? Oh, man. Uh, I think you, you would have seen it. So did I, man. The play that Dylan DeMello makes to prevent a sure goal for Miko Rantanen. I mean, Sean, we've seen Rantanen up close. He legit is one of the strongest guys on his stick in the NHL. And DeMello prevented the rebound chance. I mean, he got his stick down and then leaned on it, right? I mean, that was just an impressive play. Great awareness knowing that Rantanen is kind of parked in that spot. And then to beat him to the puck, I thought was just an absolutely like prime time example of why we hand out the award from the OGs. Um, you know what? I love that one. The other part I love about it, I've been trying to do this. I was talking with Nick Lynham uh, while I was doing the game there. I've been trying to find this. I think it's a story worth telling, but I wonder if you could track this stat. I wonder if the Jets track it, but how many times 
there's been an open net or something like that where the Jets yeah. goaltenders have not had the opportunity to stop the puck. That's so. Oh, we just cracked 500, by the way. Good job, nice. chat. Well room. done. Well hey, done. Balloons falling from the ceiling. <laughs> uh, it's Tremendous. Like New Year's celebration. Great job. Everyone's excited, and they should be right now. Um, getting back to it, and I've totally lost my train of thought. What was I talking about, Ken? Uh, puck open nets that were prevented oh, by yeah. smart defensive play. Uh, uh, I don't know if anyone covers this stat or carries this stat, but I wonder where the Jets rank as far as teams that steal goals away from other teams where their defenders steal goals when their goaltender is likely beat in that play. That was one of them tonight. I brought it up to my producer, like trying to find a way to tell that story and see if we can, you know, get... uh, uh, get you know some statisticians to work on it, but I think that would be a phenomenal play. In the long and the short of it, again, I talked about tonight earlier, Ken, that the Jets just, in my mind, clearly outcompeted the Colorado Avalanche, and that is one place where the Jets always compete. They they never they never give up on keeping the puck out of that their net, and you see it time and again, Ken, when when they, they have an empty net, when they, we don't see it often the way they're playing right now, but when they have the empty net, they're so hard to score on in the empty net because they compete and they don't just give up on the play and say, ah, it's not our night. Like whether or not they can get back in the game. I'm, I'm telling you right now, if there was three seconds left on the clock and that goal is meaningless, I can see Josh Morrissey diving in front of a puck to try and keep it out of an empty net. Just, so that they don't go down by two in that game, even though it's impossible to get back in it. The compete level of the Jets is off the charts. That's a great example of it. And you're right, a great example of why we have the Johnson Group, the Kenny and Rennie OG's Got You Covered Award. And hey, do you run a small business in Canada? You need to look to Canada's number one employee benefits plan, Chambers Plan, to give you a competitive edge. Chambers Plan is the simple, stable, smart choice for over 30,000 businesses countrywide. Visit chamberplan.ca to learn more. All right, moving on. Let's get to the lamplighter of the game, Ken. Yeah, I mean, a host of opportunities and uh, options here, Sean. But, I mean, I, I'm going Alex Iafalo. Uh And, again, we understand this is a, you know, classic mystic pizza turnover by Caleb Jones. Oh, boy. Cl- Claude Noel would be, would be tossing out that at the podium. But, I mean, we've been talking about it for a long time. Right? He needed this guy who couldn't buy one for a long stretch of time after an amazing start of playing on the top line. I think it was four goals and 13 points in 15 games, and then absolute uh, stone cold for the next 13 games. 18 games without a goal is a long time for some. Sorry, who spends that much time on the top line and in the top six. So uh, he needed it. Uh, he got it. And it's more about the work of the four checkers. And outside follow immediately pointed out the job that Vladislav Nemeskov and Cole Perfetti did to apply pressure on Caleb Jones to create and force the turnover uh, into the slot. And uh, just the beauty of a backhand. Again, there's lots of, you could have had the follow goal to snap, or the setup to Vladislav Nemeskov to snap the 0 for 18, sure. But to me, the Jets' bread and butter has been their 5-on-5 play. So I'm going to highlight a 5-on-5 goal and, I mean, my honorable mention was Velarde just because of how tenacious he was in winning the battle to the puck and, you know, going forehand to backhand. That's just a really impressive example of his slick hands in front of the net. 
Yeah, I, I give it to Velarde with the Josh Manson revenge goal. Uh, just because, like, I love that. Atti- you talked about that attitude. Sure. That, that chip on the shoulder attitude, that kind of swagger, that, like, you know, not being afraid to, like, go toe-to-toe. Like, I, I, I kind of just, like, Josh Manson's, a little bit of a scary guy. Like, remember, he's the guy who slayed the boogeyman and Jamie Ben when they got in that fight last year. This guy is not a shrinking violent. And, and what I love, you were talking about the camera work that our, our crew did for the game tonight. Josh Manson just looks so calm, so composed after that whole thing. You can tell, like, Gabe Velarde's upset and he's chirping him. And Josh Manson doesn't mind it one bit. And I love the kind of, oh, you don't mind that? Well, how about this? Do you mind this? I love that attitude, uh, which is why that would be my lamplighter of the game. Uh, but what does it matter what my lamplighter of the game is? We want to hear what your lamplighter of the game is. Why? Well, because if you share it with us, you're automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious eight-pack of lamplighter amber ale brought to you by our friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. If you cannot wait for Kenny and Rennie to gift you your own eight-pack of lamplighter, head on down to TransCanada Brewing Company, where we will be having our next show, January 22nd. You should think about coming down. It was a great time last time. But head on down there in the meantime. Try out their pizza, their food. Uh, like I said, I went out with the TSN crew uh, the other day and we just had a, a phenomenal lunch. Great beers. Oh man, if you like, like they get really funky at Christmas time with their Christmas beers. They got like a, a Christmas orange one, essentially. I think they've got like a Bailey's stout or something like that. Lots of really great stuff there right now. And it won't be around for a long time. So if you're the kind of person, uh, if you're a little bit of a, a foodie or a, a beer e or a brewery, whatever you are, um, you don't want to miss that because when it's gone, you don't, you don't have until next year. Anyways, uh, that's, uh, that now that we know that let's uh, announce the winner and the winner of the lamplighter is Matt Heinen, who, uh, I don't recognize from the show. Matt Heinen, uh, was on the show last time, popped in there, knew enough if he, if he was new to share his lamplighter or followed instructions, just like we're talking about here. So Matt Heinen, if you're back, you know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds, send me your full name and send me an email and I will send you a voucher for your very own frosty, delicious eight pack of lamplighter amber ale brought to you by our friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. Okay. on to the keg save of the game. Ken, what do you got? Yeah, you know, this was another one of those games where Connor Hellebuck was just mostly steady. I, I like there was a one really good save from the high slot on Jonathan Drouin. There were a couple of really smart saves on, you know, one on Ranton and one on one on McKinnon. But uh, I'd be tempted to go with overall body of work, but I don't want to have a cop-out. So I'm going to go with that Drouin save from the high slot uh, as as my uh, keg save of the game here. And, Sean, I mean, we had a fantastic meal oh uh, at the Gary Street keg uh, earlier this week. Just an absolute... Uh, absolute tremendous night out and we are super grateful for the ability to have that we absolutely love this partnership and uh, it's just been fantastic that was a phenomenal meal i'll tell you ken i'm not used to being treated like royalty nor do i deserve (laughs) to be treated like royalty but boy oh boy not only was the food amazing the atmosphere amazing. service what a great place to be at christmas time right like all the christmas parties going on all around there but like service was amazing food was top notch the wine list is great as you know and stacy knows because uh it's funny my wife had said she loves going out with stacy because she just shuts her brain off and she's like you get the wine and it's always a great experience just like it's always a great experience at the keg so ken, ken great pick uh you at home should share with us your keg save of the game if you do you're automatically entered to win a 50 dollars gift certificate to the keg we give one out every single show uh usable at any of their three fine locations in the city each location finer than the last and the winner 
of the keg save of the game from last game. That would be Nicole 2998. Nicole 2998, you have won a $50 voucher or gift certificate to the keg, but first you need to claim it. You do that by direct messaging me at SN Sean Reynolds. Send me your full name. I don't think your last name is 2998. If it is, that's I, I don't know, probably like some kind of futuristic cyborg woman or something like that. Anyways, full name, email, send it to me, and I will send you your very own $50 gift certificate. What a time of year to use it at the keg, $50 gift certificate, usable at any of their three fine locations in the city, each location finer than the last. That's it for us. Ken, anything you got to say before we get going? No, fun night, and uh, I went for the double header. Uh, had a great birthday dinner uh, with some of my Altona crew over at the uh, McGillivray location yesterday as well, so uh, absolutely fabulous. Uh, a double dip of the keg, always a good thing. Yeah, excellent. Oh, there's stuff. Nicole. Oh, She's here. Perfect. Perfect. She's here, so she knows what to do. You know what to do. Um, okay, uh, that's it for us. Uh, before we do go, I want to say, holy smokes, breaking 500 here tonight. Uh, we know that people have loved the wins this year. Maybe I need to say, say give this out on a win <laughs> instead of a loss. I've been calling out the folks who are scared to come to the show after the losses, but it's a strange year because our numbers during losses are I quite you know a little bit lower than we we're expecting uh, or have had in the past, but they're huge and massive on the win nights. So I will say to all of you who showed up because you're enjoying what's happening right now, don't be scared of the losses. Come join Kenny and Rennie. It's a great place to drown your sorrows because we're friends with people at a brewery and they do a good job of drowning sorrows as well. So anyway, so much appreciation coming from me and Ken for how many people piled on here tonight. As we also appreciate our sponsors because as we always say, if you appreciate the conversation happening in this space please please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep the conversation going in this space and for us that's vittorio rossi cambrian credit union the kenny and rennie ogs and the johnson group sweet lou ferlin pristine roofing and their wake-up call trans canada brewing company and of course the keg thank you so much to them thank you so much to all of you Two more Sportsnet games coming up here right away on Monday. The Montreal Canadiens back in town. And on Wednesday, a Wednesday night hockey game. Uh, Jamal Mayers will be on for this one. Bartz is going to be on for Monday and Wednesday. Uh, we will have Cheech coming in on Wednesday. Uh, we'd love it if you'd come visit us on that show. But we know, or you know, we'd love it if you'd come visit us after those shows right here on KNR. We will see you then, everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend.